welcome to A Dummy's Guide to Geekdom, the show that tries to give everyone a crash course on geek culture. Whether you're trying to understand some trends you know enough to start a conversation with a friend, or if you just want to know what the hell someone is blabbing about, we are here for you. And I am your Super Dummy Paul. I am joined by Mr. Weverly of Scottsville. How are you, sir? Good. I'm smegging good, mate. You are smegging good. (laughs) Very good. Yes. Always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining us. And we are in the world of TV today. Some wonderful TV, which I think many people in Britain will be just just, over the moon about, quite frankly, because everyone loves it. And if you don't love it, I don't know why. We are talking about Red Dwarf, people. Yes. Um, Red Dwarf. Yes. So some wonderful facts and figures. We like some facts and figures here. Dun, dun, dun. First aired 15th of February, 1988. Mm. On Make me old, old. Making, making me feel old. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. yeah, I was one years old there, just to <laughs> let you know. Uh, aired on BBC Two. Mm. Um, it had. It was a bit on and off, to put it. It was. To put it nicely, yeah. um, originally ended with season eight in 1999, and then had a wonderful reboot on Dave, mm. which will be very confusing to anyone who doesn't live in the UK. Dave yeah. is was is Dave still it's going? Still, it's still about yeah yeah Dave oh, channel yeah shows how up with the times I am. It's a TV channel, people. Yeah. Dave is a TV channel, uh, and they brought it back for four seasons between 2009 and 2020. So again, somewhat on and off. Yes. But yeah, Red Dwarf, I mean, everyone knows about Red Dwarf. If you don't, then I'm sorry, where have you been? Created by Rob Grant and Doug Naylor and all mm. hail them. So yes. Scott, tell us Red Dwarf. What is Red Dwarf about? What is Red Dwarf about? Red Dwarf is, uh, it's a sitcom um science fiction sitcom about a bunch of about a bunch of misfits and <laughs> um, it, it's a sitcom that shouldn't work really it, mm. for, for, for many reasons um it's about the the jupiter mining core uh, ship red dwarf which is three miles long one mile deep and is in deep space uh when a um uh, a panel of the, the drive panel comes loose uh, and irradiates the entire ship, killing everybody on it, apart from uh, a Mr. David Lister, who was in stasis at the time uh, because he was found to have a cat on board um, called Frankenstein, uh, who was hiding in the hold at the time. So he was put into stasis, and when he comes out of stasis, it's three million years later, the ship has carried go- carried on going forwards, so it hasn't stopped for three million years. So they're three million years into deep space. Um, everybody's dead, um, and his cat, Frankenstein, had babies, uh, and they had babies. And there's been this sort of incestuous sort of evolution uh, of the cat uh, into a humanoid character um, called the cat. Um, and in order to keep him sane. The ship's computer, Holly, um, which we'll get to cast in a minute, um, has brought back a hologrammatic uh, version of the one person he spent the most time with and shared the most words with, which just happens to be the bunkmate he shared his room with that he hates, uh, Arnold Judas Rimmer. <laughs> uh, 
them. And so that's originally, that was it. That was the three of them mm. were the original sort of like remaining crew. Um, and so they're played by, yeah, Craig Charles plays uh, David Lister. Uh, Danny John Jules plays the cat. And, um, uh, God, God, Britas. Oh my God. Um, I have to Google it now. Google it quick. Quick, um, before anyone notices. Yeah, plays Arnold Rimmer. Chris Barry. Oh my God, I thought yes, that was it. Well done. Chris Barry plays Arnold Rimmer. And basically, so, so Dave's like a slob. He's like a real, he's like the last human because everyone else is dead. And it's assumed that the human race is gone. So he's the last human. He's the last remnant of humanity. And he's basically a bum. Like he's a bit of a space bum. Mm. Um, the cat is a narcissistic, self preening idiot. Um, and Rimmer is sort of like a just obsessed with going by the book and you know but also he he loves authority but hates sort of the idea of being looked down upon so he's a real sort of he's got real sort of nasty um he's just full of neuroses <laughs> he's, mm. a, he's, a, he's a horrible person but he's an interesting character um and that's it and they go on adventures but like they, they literally you know just, things just happen to them throughout the first couple of seasons like they literally they go to a different dimension where they find this female uh, versions of them they uh, go on a computer game called Better Than Life, which takes them, you know, uh, grants them every wish that they want. Mm. Um, but because of uh, Rimmer's neuroses, it, the game turns on them. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, all these different kinds of things. And then eventually, though, they realised that they needed to shake things up. Oh, the other thing is they, they, we find out because this is where it sort of ends, because the, the, you said it broken up. It's broken up. Yeah. It is very much broken up in tone as well. At the end of series two, they have gone to, um, we find that they've gone to previously another dimension where they've met the the female, their female equivalents of themselves. Um, and what we find out is that, that Dave Lister slept with the female version of himself. <laughs> but because this is an inverted world, the male Dave Lister gets pregnant. So when he comes back, we find out that he is going to have babies. <laughs> Uh, and so then there's, you know, we find out this is already, this was supposed to happen in a future, in an episode called Future Echoes. Um, and so it ends with him about to give or going to give birth. Mm. Um, and so you're like, oh, that's weird. How the hell does like, does this come to a, you know, they're kind of like babies in the show. That's weird. Yeah. Um, and so the tone of the show has been, has been very particular. And, but when it comes back for series three, it, it opens with, um, a scroll, like a Star Wars style scroll, that basically sort of explains that uh, Lister had the babies, but because they're in the wrong dimension, they were growing, they were aging exponentially, so they had to return to the other dimension to send them back, and all this other stuff. And there's all these other things that have gone on between <laughs> between series. And you're like, oh, okay. And then basically goes, hope you've all caught up. Let's go. And then it goes back to the start of the show. Yeah. Um, and in that third series, they introduced the fourth member of the crew that, that sticks around for forever and a day now for the rest of the time. Uh, the uh, 4000 series mechanoid Crichton, played by, um, what's it, Llewellyn? Robert. Um, Robert Llewellyn, thank you. Yeah. Um, and again, fantastic actor. For, and, and the crew on this is, is fantastic. The, the chemistry oh, okay. is great. Um, and that, really, season three, to me, is where it really hits its stride. That's yeah. when it's... It's at its best. Um, and um, we get all these different bits and pieces. We also, the character I haven't mentioned is Holly, the ship's computer, played by Norman Levitt in the first three seasons, three or four seasons. 
And basically, like he's gone crazy. Like he's this, he's this super intelligent. Like, he's got an IQ of six thousand, but he's been on his own for three million years. So he's gone a little bit, like you know, um, computer senile. Um, so it is just this collection of misfits flying through space, looking to get home. <laughs> yeah, as as a concept, it doesn't sound like it should work, but it just does. And I think yeah. you said it right. It's like the the chemistry between all of them. They know what they're there for, and they play those parts spectacularly. Mm. Yeah, the thing is, I think one of these the, the big things, the crew, yeah, the cast just works. Mm. They, they they clearly work well together. They, they sort of, and by season three, they get it. But one of the other things that this show does, um, and this is what I think down to the writing, is the ideas behind this show. So um, they seem so simple. Mm. It, it basically outs out Star Trek, Star Trek at times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it takes like a concept, it'll run yeah. with it, and it'll do sort of like you know that thing that science fiction does. I mean, some of the the best ones is this idea of there's one in season three called Justice, um, where they have this pod, and they're not sure what's in it. It's either uh, a crazed sort of synthetic mechanoid that will kill them all, or um, a lost prison officer called Barbara Bellini. Yes. And, and so they, they get, they're going to take this pod back so that they can open it and see who's inside it. And if it's Barbara Bellini, then she can join them. And if it's his mechanoid, then they can be in the prison. But when they go back to this prison, they have, there's two elements to it. There is a, um, a machine, like a, a field they have to walk through that judges guilt. And so List is panicking because he's sort of like, he says, oh, we used to go scrumping when I was a kid. <laughs> Oh, stealing apples isn't so bad. Oh, he's going scrumping for cars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's oh, stole from hotels. Oh, everyone's stolen. Everyone's stolen towels. Yeah, I, I stole the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's stuff like he knows he's done stuff wrong. Uh, but the, the, the justice field sort of says, like, you know, well, even despite some minor things, you know, it's not really our problem. Mm. But um, you find out that, that Rimmer is found guilty of the murder of the entire crew of the Red Dwarf. Because he's the person that should have really maintained the drive plate that got loose that released the radiative. So he holds himself responsible. So he has his guilt. And so he's judged on that guilt. And so you, you know, it comes up this idea of um, self. You, you start to realize stuff about Lister. That he, Lister hates himself. Not Lister, mm. sorry, Rimmer. You start to realize things about Rimmer. Like Rimmer hates himself. Like he's like the real self loathing and he feels incredibly guilty, but like puts up this front of being this obnoxious prick the entire time. But he's got this 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 thing inside him that he doesn't he really doesn't like. And he wants to get away from, and so justice gives you this notion of like, oh, he's been carrying this around for years. Yeah, you know, even as a hologram. Yeah, and then but then he also they introduce like the, the the justice field where like you whatever you do to someone you do to you know, gets done to you. So this idea of sort of like pure justice, but it doesn't work. Um, and it, I mean to me, Lister, sorry, Lister's a great fun character. He's yeah. the main character. He's the fun one. He, mm. You know, he's the sort of like the the main character. And there's some there's some point there. But to me, uh, Rimmer is the most interesting character because um, there's so mm. much you can do with him. Because I think so. That even in the fourth series, I think it's fourth series. There's one uh, Ace. They would introduce Ace Rimmer. Yes. Okay, so they've got into this, this dimension drive, and they can jump from dimension to dimension. And so in another dimension. The, the the rumor we have the sorry the, the yeah the rumor that we have is this weaselly horrible sort of kind of guy, but in another dimension like he's this ace pilot that everybody fawns over and everyone thinks he's, you know oh what a guy, um and he's ace rumor 
And they so we so when Ace comes to to the the world the universe we're used to and they meet, um, our Rimmer can't stand it. He's like, well, he got all the breaks, didn't he? He got all the luck and the charm and the good looks, and he's like, he's you. Like, how do you not see that? But then when you you find out, and this is where I like it, you find out what it is that that where their paths diverged. And it's like at the age of nine, I think it is, one of them was held back a year at school. You know, and so being held back, you sort of go, Well, that must be our rimmer then. He was humiliated, he was, you know, whatever. So that's why he's so bitter. But what you find out is actually it's not, it was Ace Rimmer that was held back a year. And in doing so, sort of like it made him realize it gave him that wake up moment that, you know, I've got to change the way I do things. And he buckled down, he learned, and all this other stuff, and he became Ace Rimmer. So technically, like our Rimmer got the break because he got to not have that humiliation. And so they keep throwing these ideas at you, like throughout that, you know, it's played for laughs. But when you go back and watch it, you're like, oh, there's some big ideas in this that are really yeah. kind of sort of like, you know, they really want to play, especially with with, with Rimmer. They play with the psychology of the character. And, the, you know, the others are there for fun. Like the cat, Donnie Jan Jules as the cat is amazing. Um, and and, and the, the cast are amazing. But for me, like Rimmer just holds this place of fascination for me because mm. he's such a, a, a crazy, you know. Um, but even like when they try, like Lister tries to break Crichton's programming, you know, because he's a mechanoid, so they're trying to get him to, to break his programming stuff. And they, they do that, and eventually he does, where he's able to to do these, um, you know, call people a smeghead uh, or like lie. You know, he can, there's one point, like he's holding up an orange and telling everyone it's a banana, and they're like, all right, you know, he's got like droid rot or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's the point of the show. Like it just developed. And uh, one of the things that the, that the creators wanted to do was to do that, was to push these characters. Like it's still a sitcom, so it still sort of resets at the end of mm-hmm. every episode, but there's still things that carries on. That you know, There's things that sort of come back later on. But the other big thing they were really keen on was this is not, and this is where I think this is incredibly British, because it's incredibly cynical as well, is there is no other life in the universe. So whenever the crew come across a life form or come across something, it's man-made. Like mm. you find out in three in that three million years that they sort of were, were absent. Um, you know, they've we've passed that into the universe. We've done things. So you meet sort of like what they call gelfs, which are genetic life forms. Um, you meet a thing called legion, which sort of like absorbs people's personalities, but that's all man-made. You've gone to the justice zone and. That's man-made, and they meet, but there's there's no aliens. There are no aliens in Red Dwarf. They meet alien characters, but they're all man-made, or they're all linked with Earth. Um, but one one of my favorite episodes, they go to a wax world, um, and it's basically populated. There's a war going on, and it's populated by wax characters, and you have all the good guys on one side, and that's played up like these like weird pop culture characters like Elvis. Uh, like Noel Coward's there, Gandhi, um, and Marilyn Monroe, and you've got that. That's what's left. Laurel, uh, yeah, um, yeah, Hart, not, yeah. Was it Laurel and Hardy? So one of those is is there. So you have these sort of like these characters, the good guys, and it turns to uh, the bad guys, and you've got like Mussolini and Hitler, <laughs> Genghis Khan, Caligula. They've got these, like, <laughs> these amazing like, villains from history, and they're in this middle of battle, and that's where Rimmer steps in to be. You know, it's this shining moment. But there's a moment in that where um, the cat and Lister have been have been captured. They're in the pri- they're in a prison cell, 
and they're trying to figure out where where they are, like what's going on. And you don't see anything like Lister's just looking out of a window. It's like they're putting they're putting something together. It's a big wooden structure. It's kind of L shaped, an inverted L. And like the cat's going, oh my god, they're gonna hang us! Oh my god, they're gonna hang us! It's like no, 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 no. They're already they're bringing somebody out. They're they're hanging someone. It's Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> And like, you don't see it, but you're just like, oh my god! Like this is weird. Yeah. So it's it's it, it, it's not afraid to go with some like bizarre and weird places. Yeah. Um, and that. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, it, it's it's one of those shows, like you say, you know, with the BBC, because I think, um, during the nineties when it was on, like like eighty eight, like ninety nine, but like again, mm. quite choppy. No one was really paying attention to it. So it just kept doing stuff. And I loved it. Like it was on Friday yeah. nights at nine o'clock. I remember coming home and watching that after like Scouts. I'm at 8 39 o'clock. But coming home from Scouts and watching whatever series. And it would like each episode would be just sort of like another, you know, um, science fiction revelation to me where I'm mm. going, like, oh my God, like this is amazing. You know, there's. Um, in season five, they do one uh, called Angel. Oh, the back to reality is a great one. So I can talk about the <laughs> There's one where they find out or they, they believe that actually they wake up and they've been in a game and Red Dwarf is a game, uh, like a virtual mm. reality game. And uh, they're all these characters. And it's sort of like, the, 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 you know, so the cat who's been sort of like, you know, is, is well-groomed and good-looking and smooth and sort of like, you know, suave and athletic is this nerdy weird guy called Dwayne Dibley with, with big teeth. Um, and you sort of, you know, Lister's now this sort of like this fascist polit- politician and, and Rimmer's this, this bomber lives on the street and Crichton's this police cop called Jake Bullet. Yes. Um, so, but, but you find out that these characters, these, these people that they, they believe they are out in this reality goes against their own moral fiber. So it starts to, you know, it drives them technically to suicide by the end of the episode. Yeah almost and then they break out of it so it has these weird sort of like it's funny and it's really good fun but it has these sort of like moral quandaries at times it just sort of throws you a curveball and you're just like oh yeah no this is crapping out this is quite a serious kind of thing you know yeah i think that's what it does so well it's it it's almost like it on one hand it taps into the mind of a seven-year-old boy and says <laughs> yeah. okay every little crazy idea you've had we're going to make an episode out of it Mm. But then on the other hand, it's tapping into the adults in the room and being like, what are the horrible thoughts you have in your mind? Like, what are the deep thoughts? Like all the different characters individually, they're great characters and they've, they've got depth and everything. If you put them together, there'll be a lot of people who will be sitting there going, I recognize that part of myself. I recognize yeah. that part of myself. They are almost like one person has been split up. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like each yeah. part of your personality has just been times by 10. Yes. And that's it. I think that's the thing. Is you're, yeah, they're so relatable as characters. You know, the, 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 even, you know, Crichton, Crichton has that subservience and stuff like, you know, and narcissism. Was great. A great example is actually uh, the episode Camille, where they meet, like, one, first one, they meet a Gelf, and she's able to morph into whatever is their perfect... Um, well, the, the person sees them as their perfect partner. Mm. So Crichton just sees a female 4,000 mechanoid called Camille, and he's quite happy with that. But then when she gets on the ship, like Dave sees this beautiful sort of other scouse sort of woman, because yeah. like, Dave's a scouse. 
and so you know has all this she, he's sort of seeing that and um i forget what rimmer sees but then they get a chance for the cat to meet her. <laughs> oh no so yeah dave meets uh, sorry dave rimmer sees him and sees again like a, an officer like a woman who's an officer sort of like him you know so they've all got this kind of like this this perfection they they see very beautiful women playing these actors and then the cat comes in and just sees himself <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an amazing sort of idea where he's just sort of like you know he comes out and like they like list is like what did you see he's like, he, the cat's like ah my knees are weak <laughs> vision of perfection um and it's just it, it, but like you say it's just these ideas what you do you just you relate to it and you go yeah that's you know we all know people that like can't get past a mirror you know they're there for the yeah. there for the hour if you, or you know we've said about like Rimmer and his his uh, and your neuroses and his you know, the fail at what he, he wanted to do but even like Dave like Dave is not a stupid person he's just lazy mm. you know and so you know this idea that like you know I could have done more I should have done better in life like you know there was nothing stopping me so, like he went to art college and didn't like it so he sort of bummed out of art college and joined the mining corps. Um, so yeah, I just love how relatable they are as characters. And that's one of the things I've always gone back to. Like it's in heavy rotation. Like um, we did it for stories out of time and space. Like we went through them in detail, Julian and I, and I was like, Oh, this might be it. I was a bit scared at the end. Like, this might be it. This might be, I might have done it to death, mm. but no, I still go back to it. And I still really enjoy it. And, um, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the joy of it. it you know, you can ask who's the target audience for a particular TV show. And honestly, I don't know anyone who would not be able to watch this. No. Like it, okay, it's sci-fi based, but not really. If you don't like sci-fi, it doesn't matter. It's one of those where the, the, it's a situational comedy. So yeah. they exist in there. So the science fiction is no different than being in an office or mm. a factory or whatever. It's, it's just, it becomes a part of it, but it's not the purpose, you know, the purpose of it all. No. Um, but there's one thing I would say, which, you know, we'll start to I'll let you wrap up in a minute. What, one of the things, there are a couple of things I want to sort of just uh, tap out. So there's, it exists in other media. So mm. uh, the Royal Grant Doug Naylor went off and wrote several books. And so which sort of like, uh, they took the ideas of all the, I think the first book, Red Dwarf or Infinity Welcomes Careful Drivers. Um, they take the ideas for the first couple of seasons and they're like, Here's the stuff. Here's how we would have done it if we had a massive budget. Okay. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like mm. they don't have to worry about the budget of the BBC. So the story expands a little and you get descriptions of things that are much more um, detailed and much more, you know, epic sort of thing. Mm. But it, it retains the comedy, you know, um, and you get rid of a backstory of how Lister ended up on, on the Red Dwarf and that sort of thing, which is really cool. So there's four books. Um, but there was also a comic Right. There was a there was a magazine in the nineties called the Smegazine. I've got the first volume of it, the first volume, and they they did comic iterations of some of the episodes, and then they did other things. There's a character that in, from the episode uh, Quarantine, when uh, Rimmer gets infected, he has a puppet that's a penguin called Mister Flibble. Uh, Mister Flibble get, gets his own comic in the in the in the Smegazine for a short time. And it's great. Uh, and the the magazine, and this is this is the unfortunate truth of this. So the, the, the Rob Grant and Doug Nader fell out. They had a bit of a falling out over rights mm. and several things. And that's why it sort of was so choppy for so long. And they've never really fully resolved it. Um, and so Rebellion, that runs 2000 AD, mm. um, owns the rights to the comics and the old magazines. 
Right. So they are sat in an archive somewhere. Because I found out, I did some digging on this. I actually spoke to some people that work at Rebellion. This is when I was doing the Judge Dread book. And I said, Do they, is that still kicking about? And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's still down there. Like, we've got all this stuff. And I'd lo- I've got it, but I'd love to see it like a collected edition. Oh, yeah. Release that. Release the Red Dwarf cut. <laughs> um, and it, the, the other missed opportunity that I'm putting this out into the universe, I, I do this at every opportunity. The missed opportunity that we have, like there should be another, do look IDW or, or Titan, do look another Red Dwarf comic, right? Let's have, I want like um, a crossover event, like a British character crossover event. I don't even know what I'm going on, but I want a certain blue phone box to sort of materialize. Oh. So uh, the blue phone box re- re- appearing on the great, the big rouge one. That's what I want. Like choose a doctor. You know, I think Jody, the Jodie Whittaker doctor actually with 13th yeah. doctor would have been great to, to sort of meet up with that uh, the crew of the red dwarf. Um, <laughs> but you know, I just, I just think that's, it's, I feel like there's a missed opportunity there where we've not addressed this. Whole, why is doctor who not officially met? Uh, the Red Dwarf crew. They're both, they were originally both owned by the BBC. Um, yeah. You know, the comic rights are out there. Just do it. World, universe, give me, give it to me, please. <laughs> yeah, How why cool not? would that be? That would be amazing. I mean, you wouldn't even have to, oh, just, mm. yeah, that would be amazing. You wouldn't even have to go full Red Dwarf on it, you know, just square off some of the edges if you feel like you have to. But that would be amazing. Yeah. There you go. Put I've that, got that out story in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first, people. So when he's rich and famous off that story, you you know why. You know where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, no, I don't need the money. Just, just do the, I want the comic. Just give, me comic. <laughs> give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. You just Titan, want to read give it. Give me that comic. Damn you. I just want to read it. Yeah. It's all I want. Yes. Anyway, I shall stop babbling there. But, Red, uh, but also, like, if you want to watch Red Dwarf, Mm. It's on the uh, the BBC for the first eight seasons are on the BBC iPlayer, brilliant, readily available. And then if you've got Dave or UK TV players, I think the app is called um, the 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 rest of it's on there. Perfect. If you it's haven't available, seen it, go check it out. Just yeah, I'll have a look online to see. There must be somewhere in America that you can watch it as well. Because if you haven't seen it, you're going to love it. Just do it. Mm. And it, must it, be. it also has the best in what the. the, the it's one of the TV shows I can't not watch the intro to. I love the music so much. Yeah. So the moment that music starts, I'm a bit like, you know, oh, no, I'm in, I'm in. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Strapped in, ready to go. As soon as it hits, big smile on your face, you're ready. Exactly. Perfect. Yes. Totally. Amazing. Now, if you don't want to watch it after that, then there's something wrong for you. So yeah. go, find it, watch it now. <laughs> So, yeah, brilliant. Any questions, anything you want to know, contact details will be in the show notes for both myself and for the wonderful Scott. As you can tell, ask him a question. He'd be most happy to answer it. And, yeah, he'll probably watch it all again. If you ask him one question, he'll probably watch the whole series just to make sure he answers it correctly. Um, It's an excuse to go watch it. It's an excuse to go watch it. Oh, I've got to go watch that now. Find it. Damn it. So yeah, go do that now. All the contact details in the show notes. If there's anything else you want us to talk about, do send us a message, drop us a line. We will have a look, see what we can do. Uh, yeah, 
thank you for joining us scott thank you so much as always it's been an yeah, thank you pleasure. for having me it's, it's all yeah it's always been a blast to talk uh, talk red dwarf oh yeah i mean there are no better times to be had than talking red dwarf let's face it i'm probably going to go and watch it now this weekend <laughs> so, yeah cool yes people go find scott show as he mentioned he has talked about red dwarf on his own show so go seek it out you want to listen to it i promise you thank you for joining us join us next time when we'll be talking about something geeky and wonderful ta see you later